Hello, this is Andrew WK, and I'm here to remind you that we're partying very hard together on the Freaky Geeks podcast. Hi, my name is Shane Smith, and I'm that feeling when your underwear is sticking inside of your butt crack and you're sweaty, but you can't get them out because you're in a public place and you want people to respect you. (laughs) Oh my god, okay. (laughs) Hi, I'm that fart that sneaks out when you're peeing in public that you didn't realize was going to come out, but did. Noelle Cummings. (laughs) Oh, did that happen to you at work today? Doesn't that always happen? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. We are wrapping up our West Memphis 3 coverage today, and it kind of got emotional at the end there. I feel really good about it. I know. It did get emotional at the end, which I'm excited about, which I knew was going to happen. We got good jokes and a lot of passion, and we finished this story up, and I think the the overall message of the story is about justice and humanity and love and and forgiveness and it's really amazing and satan and satan i hope uh all of you enjoy it uh speaking of things people enjoy this episode like (laughs) all episodes is brought to you by black salt studio will and casey are the best if you're not following them on instagram delete your instagram log off the internet you don't belong there anymore exactly uh go get zapped go get some sweet sweet tattoos probably not on your face (laughs) tattoo your butt I do that. Yeah, you have butt tattoos. I have numerous butt tattoos, and they are great. There you go. Um, also, uh, do you have anything going on for for the listeners to know about? Mm, you know, um, it seems to be a theme that every Friday I join Rachel on Twitch, and we play games and drink. And sometimes it's a hot mess. Sometimes it's fun. It's a gamble. Do you know um, what her Twitch stream is? Twitch.tv slash Rachie Mac, R-A-C-H-I-E-M-A-C. Um, yeah. Uh, Rachel is a friend of the podcast, a very uh, good-looking woman, if that helps you want to watch. Yeah, she's a professional model. Also, speaking of modeling, her and I, and if I could steal your wife, want to do a boudoir shoot. So, I mean, by the time this comes out, maybe we've done it. Maybe the pictures are coming out. Maybe it's sexy. Maybe it's not. I don't know, but it's going to be cool. Get your dicks out, gentlemen. It'll be a great one. Get your dicks out and your wallets out. It's yeah. going to be a good time. Um, so I am going to be in L.A. from the 22nd to the 28th. So I'll be here all week. Um, you can go see me. So far, I ha- I will have more dates in the future, but I will be doing a show you can go to uh, the 24th Wednesday at Blue Goose Lounge, I think in Santa Monica at 8 p.m. Friday, I'll be doing a show called The Sauce, also in Santa Monica um, at Delano's Pizzeria. That'll be an exciting <laughs> one. Hey. Uh, hell, listen, hell yeah. Yeah, that's where my career's at. Are they going to pay you in pizza? I also have a show on Saturday, but it's a private show. I just wanted to talk about it so I could brag about it. What? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm doing private shows, so it'll be good. Is um, it just one sad, lonely dude on his couch with a bottle of Jameson being like, tell me the jokes, funny man. (laughs) (laughs) He pays me. I've done worse shows. Um, uh, So I have nothing Thursday and Sunday as of yet, but hopefully I will have more booked. Maybe I'll be talking about it on social media. Maybe I won't be. But come out. uh, (laughs) Talk to me in L.A. Cool. Yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to add before we get this episode going? Uh, nope. Uh, watch us play video games and hail Satan. Hail Satan, everybody. Let's get to it.
involved in the occult. Do you see any particular type of dress? I have uh, personally observed people wearing uh, black fingernails, having their hair painted black, wearing black t-shirts. Sometimes they will tattoo themselves. What I can say at this time is that after being physically and mentally abused by a predator, my life was changed forever. And then the prosecution said he targeted sexual offenders in hopes of supporting children in pursuit of their dreams, writing that kids should be able to live without the threat of pedophiles lingering around them. I mean, yeah. Let him go. <laughs> just free him. He's just hammering people in free Alaska. Him. Yeah. Oh, man. Free him. That's intense. I'm so proud, you know. If you were going to attack pedophiles, what weapon would you use? Hmm. Fire and kerosene. Fire, you would flamethrower them? Yeah. That's cool. What would you do? I don't know. I feel like the hammer strikes fear into the heart. of If someone's like, he's just going to come hammer me. I feel like a hammer, there's too much room for error and not fatalities. Like, you don't always die from a hammer attack. Yeah, but a hammer attack sends a message. So does lighting them on fire. I mean, kind of. <laughs> Could you imagine you have like a flamethrower backpack like you're fucking in Vietnam and you just knock on a pedophile's door and you're like, surprise, motherfucker. And then you just light him up. Yeah, it'd be like that Santa that hated Christmas and flamethrowered his family. Imagine if that Santa fuel. hated pedophiles. Instead of shooting that little girl in the face. Yeah, instead of children and Christmas spirit. Imagine if he had taken all that rage and anger and used it for good like this man did. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, if there's a cool crime to commit, that's it. Hammering pedophiles and I'd, sex I'd offenders. I'd use nunchucks. Oh, that's another one that's just like they have, there's so much time for them to run. No way. Then I throw the nunchucks and they wrap around their legs and they fall like a bolo. Then I've got a second set of nunchucks, and I'm just chucking you so hard. <laughs> That's a lot of nunchucks. I feel like those aren't like light to carry around in like a utility belt or a trench coat. Yeah, but I'm not worried about comfort. I'm obsessed with killing pedophiles at this point. <laughs> My life is not together. That's fair. That's fair. Maybe if you did like a bat batarang style. No, I would just have a backpack. Chuck full of nunchucks. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Fucking kill me. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You know, I think if I... I No, that's a lie. I was going to say, if I had more time to ponder this deep philosophical question of what would you use if you were to avenge um, ch victims of child molestation by uh, killing their offenders and pedophiles and... What what would you use for that? I still think I would always come back to a flamethrower backpack. Okay. And I would wear like an Immortan Joe type mask. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Or maybe a scythe. I feel like you've thought about this before this conversation <laughs> began. You know, I used to say, and this might be bad to say, you know... I used to say that if I was ever diagnosed with like a terminal illness, I would suicide bomb the West Memphis church. But I think I might go on this excursion first of uh, <laughs> killing pedophiles and rapists. Yeah. A noble cause. Okay. Fair you know? enough. You'd be like the Punisher, but way more specific. Yeah. 
No gray areas here. All right. <laughs> Noel, we're here. And everyone cool. knows, <laughs> and everyone knows everyone knows what you think about all the time constantly. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight up murdering people wearing a Morton Joe mask. Wouldn't that be fucking cool though? No, it would be fucking cool. I mean, I agree. It's metal as fuck. It would be awesome. And then you have the like see-through chest plate with metals like that you've stolen from the people you've murdered or something. Why are all the pedophiles you kill war heroes? Why do they have metals? Or okay, you make metals out of them. Make that's a little Ed Geeny, you know? You like take their skin, wrapping around a button. Okay. Add ribbon. It's a metal now. That's how that works, right? All right. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> um, so spe- <laughs> speaking of terrifying. I can't recover. I'm, I'm shook. You know You're what? You're so serious. You just talked about something that I'm so deeply passionate about, mm-hmm. which is um, avenge murdering for uh, victims of um, rape and sex abuse. And, yeah. you know, that's my passion is killing pedophiles and sex offenders. So come f- come find me, law enforcement, hiding in plain sight. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> All right. So um, today it's the West Memphis 3, part 3. We're going to be talking about the trials. Yes. Now, any uh, we'll talk about the trials. We're just going to go in order of um, the trials, actual uh, How they actually dates. occurred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll be starting with Jesse Miss Kelly. So Jesse Miss Kelly was tried separately from Damien and Jason mm-hmm. um, because basically uh, there's something called uh, the Brutton Rule, which means his confession uh, made it so that he couldn't be tried along with them and that his confession also couldn't factor into their case but by trying him separately and first mm-hmm. basically the jury once he's convicted that kind of makes up the other jury's mind right exactly so it's it's there's so much fuckery it's a catch-22 because um if you're trying to think about this case logically by removing miss kelly's confession and i say confession with the biggest air quotes ever with his con- removing his confession from um, Damien and um, Jason's trial, they basically have nothing to go off of. They have n- absolutely no evidence and they have no um, valid witness testimony. So they grasp for straws when that's removed. So it's good <laughs> if this was a fucking, I don't know, intelligent, intellectual, um, mildly responsible trial you would be like, cool, um, Miss Kelly not having to speak against them is going to save their life. But we're dealing with uh, West Memphis ignorance. So before the trial even started, you know, the other two were already convicted. Um, in Jesse's case, his confession is what um, sentenced him. Yeah, yeah, totally. So... His confession, which we'll get to the confession, we'll talk about why it's ridiculous and how even though he confessed, it doesn't make sense. But we'll start with basically the physical evidence, the physical evidence and testimonies of people who saw him that Mm -hmm. basically make it impossible for him to have committed this crime. It's this is (laughs) this is why this case is so frustrating even if you're to take out the satanic panic aspect of it, it's the fact that 100% proof and evidence um, for all three of them, they had uh, records 
from so well not uh, Miss Kelly. Miss Kelly wasn't in school. He wasn't in school, but he had dropped out. He had dropped time. out. Him and Damien both. Yeah, but um, Jason had school records. Miss Kelly was a fan of uh, what would you call that? WWE backyard wrestling. No, he's just a backyard wrestler. Did you not? I so you could guess. Obviously, there a lot of backyard wrestling as a kid. Built a whole. We like went and bought tires, and we built like a real ring. Yeah, I had a character which I will never talk about. I was on the internet. What <laughs> yeah, you had a name? Yeah, I was a wrestler. Oh my god! We used to get it. We used to all get together and write storylines, and then film them and put them on the internet. Whoa! And, and I'm when I was like in junior high, and I'm pretty sure, definitely, we were very popular. We had an Angel <laughs> Fire website. Was, Whoa. We had bios and like Whoa. it was so ridiculous. And we thought we were famous backyard wrestlers. We all genuinely thought we were going to get into the uh, WWE. But all, I, now looking back, I'm like, oh, it's just like a lot of a lot of 40 year old guys were masturbating to us, just yeah. oiled up, lighting each other on fire, yeah, stapling stuff to each other. And we didn't know like the concept of stunts. So it was so just what like, what were you doing? Just getting power bombed through tables for real. Oh, you know. Just that hitting ex- people with chairs, actually. That explains a lot. Yeah. You know, there's this great thing called concussions. Yeah, which a will lot lead of head trauma. A lot family. of head trauma. We lit someone on fire and it, like, catastrophically went wrong. Oh, yeah. Anyway. It tends to do that. Also, we built our own ring. Super dangerous. It was crazy. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, you were thinking, I don't know, white trash logic yeah, and entertainment? Totally. Seems to be the theme here. Um, yeah, that song Click Click Boom had come out and we were just off. fucking hyped up, you know? Shit, we were I just pumped. got transported <laughs> and I saw it all like fly on the wall. I just saw that and I'm upset. I actually think Miss Kelly had it better than you. No, probably. Because he was with like a traveling troupe. No, he was. So, so Miss Kelly was genuinely like super into backyard wrestling and he was a part of like an actual organization that put on shows that other people watched. We were backyard wrestling by ourselves in the middle of Utah with literally no one else watching. Just 40 year old pedophiles watching. On the internet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, different yet the same. Mm hmm. You know, different so similar (laughs) anyway so you had um on the stand you had jesse's uh what would you teammates fellow wrestlers sure there were people from the wrestling organization heavy quotation marks i know i feel weird talking other backyard wrestlers um people who were watching and stuff yeah they had like pictures with dates and they had uh the sign-in registry for the perform performers with his name and date and time next to it that was submitted into evidence that was shown to the jury and the judge and they were straight up like pulling a fucking trump they were yeah. like fake news yeah yeah it's crazy fake. i just imagine jesse like as a luchador with a <laughs> mask, you know yeah and he's like y'all think y'all think my character's not gonna help with the case and they're like <laughs> what's your character's name and he's all l child murderer supreme <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not good, huh? Uh, <laughs> That's why I couldn't find his wrestling name online because he <laughs> had that shit fucking erased. <laughs> what? Why is that your name, Jesse? On account of all the kids I murder constantly. <laughs> my character, I mean, not me. <laughs> He's just oh out with God. like fucking. He ever gets to like Cabbage Patch Kids stapling shit to their faces and throwing them at wrestlers? Oh my God, that would be cool. That would, you know, he should go- come back. 
he should make a comeback oh my God. into the scene and do that and just poke fun at everyone. I love the idea of adults backyard wrestling. Like, like mm. just a 40-year-old man comes out of nowhere and he's like choke slamming eighth graders through tables. Hell yeah. Ugh. In That's how case. Gravedigger got his start. Who what? Gravedigger. That's his name, oh, right? Oh, he started backyard wrestling. I'm pretty sure most modern wrestlers today started backyard wrestling. Which is sad. Backyard wrestling was so fun. Mm-hmm, it sure. was like putting on plays for your friends where you set each other on fire and hurt each other real bad. Oh, my God. What a fucking... Did you guys have health insurance or no? Oh, no. We bro- I broke a friend's arm once, and it was so gross. Oh, my God. I'm having flashbacks right now. What did, what did you do? You just I slammed it. him. So I was doing a certain type of slam. And when I slammed him down, he turned wrong and his arm came down first and the his bone? forearm was just like sideways. Oh, the bone didn't pop out? No, no, no. It wasn't a it wasn't a compound fracture, but it was as bad as it can get without being a compound Ugh. fracture. It was brutal. And what what do you do at that point? You just put band-aids on it? No, I just looked into the camera and I was like, You're next and then uh, said the guy's name and like was like, Ugh, oh, I'm a professional. Fucking shit. I was... My hair was so wet all the time Ugh, for no reason. God. You know Ugh. how wrestlers are? Yeah. You're and you're just sweaty and gross all the time. And I'm yeah, exactly. I and would I'm do just... anything to see that footage torn up jeans just barefoot shirtless like, with like a hulk headband on after like hulking out and then coming back to bruce banner yeah. like ripped up denim shorts and my character was all about like punk rock so i would wear you were I, like the cm punk of your time i was i was cm punk before he was fuck that guy sue i him. should be famous sue him i know in any case ju- <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to uh child murder so there were photos and witnesses of him mm-hmm. um out there you know shirtless wrestling rolling around with oiled up dudes and, and so- um and then i guess it's also important to say that it was in dryer or dire arkansas dies d-y-e-s pronounce that i don't know yeah, he was yeah. in Di- and that's like it's like a three-hour drive so you know how um, sometimes people will even be like, yeah, sure, you have this alibi, but you were also 15 minutes away from the crime scene. So who's to say you didn't make that happen? Exactly. And this is just like 100%. There's no fucking way possible. Yeah, yeah. He's on the he other side it. of the state body slamming kids. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you did it. And so yep. no possible way. So fake news. None of this none of this evidence is heard from, none of these testimonies are listened to, no one fucking cares. Now they bring in uh Dr. Richard um Offshay. I, I feel like I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but it doesn't matter. Now he's an expert in false confession and police coercion. Um and even though we've talked a lot about how basically um his he was coerced into giving a false confession last mm-hmm. episode it's worth mentioning that they had an actual expert on the stand breaking it down and explaining like this is what happened this is how uh he was coerced this is an obvious case of the police feeding him information leading questions and so on and so forth they specifically um he picked out chunks he started off by saying this is the most classical case of or classic case of police coercion that i've ever seen it's almost like i want to use this when teaching my classes to police officers and fbi agents how to not yeah handle an interrogation and he picks out clips from it specifically where he'll stop it rewind it play it again stop it rewind it play it again and then break it down 
fucking minute by minute as to how the officer is leading the questions and feeding Miss Kelly information. And the jury is just, it falls among deaf ears. Yeah. And then one more thing to mention, there were a ton of critics and people and him that said his confessions were in many respects inconsistent with each other. The particulars of the crime scene and murder victims, um, they were all incorrect. He said that he watched Damien rape one of the boys. Um, the police initially suspected that the victims had been raped because their anuses were dilated. That sentence is not fun to say out loud. However, there was no forensic evidence indicating the murder of the boys had been raped. Dilation of the anus is normal post-mortem condition. Mm -hmm. So um, we've talked about the confession a lot. Now, the confession didn't make sense because it was it was fucking poorly put together. Let's kind of go over the confession itself. Mm -hmm. He starts by basically saying, oh, yeah, the three of us were just chilling out. And by the way, I'm not going to actually say his literal confession. This we're going to give you the abridged. Yeah, we're paraphrasing here. But he's just like, all three of us were just chilling out, and we were like, why don't we invoke a satanic power? You know what? Good call. Let's do it. You know how you're just like hanging out, and you're eating Cheetos or whatever on mm -hmm. your on your stoop? And yep. you're like, you know what we should do? We should invoke Satan. And so <laughs> they're like... Uh, Turn you know, up on a Tuesday. Yeah, and you know what we need to invoke Satan? We need young boy's blood. So apparently... He said we were hanging out, and then all of a sudden we were just like, let's invoke satanic power. How do we do that? We need young boys because their blood is the most powerful. Yeah, everyone knows this is Everyone knows that young boys have the most Obviously. powerful blood. Then they wanted, then they were like, well, also, we have to mutilate the penises because people keep all their power in their penis. Mm -hmm. Also a fact. Yeah, and then the defense tried to be like, hey, this matches his confession with the mutilated penis matches up because one of these kids has a mutilated penis. But then we find out that the bodies were thrown into a river that was lousy with snapping turtles. Yeah. They had, it was littered with snapping turtles. Yeah. That mm -hmm. like, they're the type that will bite and like chomp at anything and scratch it. And so that's what yeah happened, but His, we don't know that until 2007. Yeah, yeah. So we we don't learn that later. But basically, they're like, "Hey, the penis was mutilated by obviously a person who was trying to get power out of it." Mm -hmm. So unless that snapping turtle was invoking satanic rights, it could have been. His who are we penis to judge? got snapped. Yes, which is unfortunate. You know what? It's it's unfortunate for a lot of reasons. Firstly, because you're already dead. Mm -hmm. But also, you don't need to have something in common with Steve-O. You, you don't. Know? You, you don't. No one, no one needs that. No one needs that at all. So, very terrible. <laughs> um, and then they, they found, they found uh, basically, when they found the kids in his confession, he says that they grabbed one kid each. Um, Which and is then, like, did they plan it? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Did they plan it? The, supposedly, they just found them playing, and they're like, let's grab one each. And then Michael Moore, one of the kids, runs away. Miss Kelly chases him down, grabs him, brings him back, and then leaves. And this is where things get fuzzy. Exactly. Because he said he leaves, and the police were like, wait, we need more information. And so then they're like, did uh, did what did Damien hit him with? What Damien do? Did Damien use a stick? And then Miss Kelly's like, Sure, whatever. Yep. Uh huh. Damien used a stick. And they're like, Okay, tell us about this stick. And he's like, 
uh, it's a big stick. And they're like, okay, who who did they hit him? Who did he hit with a stick? And then they have the pictures of the boys. And they're like, did he hit him with a stick? Miss Kelly's just like, yep. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. They're just leading these questions pathetically. Um, and then they're like, did you see Damien do anything else? Did he sexually assault the boys? And and then Miss Kelly's like, sure. He ha- super had sex with one yeah, of them. Why he not? says he screwed one. Yeah. Which is just like, you can tell this kid just doesn't even have the slightest clue. He's just saying whatever he can to get out of that fucking situation. You know, they're like, oh, did, did Damien assault one of the boys? And he's like, uh yeah he screwed this one just like uh, so half-assed yeah it's terrible so um yeah at that point it's just like okay the confession doesn't make sense we have all this evidence um and it's just insane so the prosecution at this point also keeps berating him they're like look how he's reacting look how his head's down look how guilty he looks and it's like um what what does that have to fucking do with anything? It has nothing to do with anything. His body language is the is that of a sixteen year old who's being accused of murdering three kids. Yeah, he murder. Yeah, you know. And so they keep berating him, and his defense lawyers are just like, "Yeah, don't say or do anything. Don't fuck up." Like, yeah. The know. last thing we need you to do is incriminate yourself further by putting your head up and looking around. Like that is enough for them to be like, "He's the fucking devil." So at this point, um, there's no hope for him. I mean, it's so obvious that he didn't do it, but it doesn't matter. These people are locked in. They mm-hmm. need to get him so that they can get Damien and everyone else. They I, want it to be real. I guess it's also important to say, before the trial even started, um, the city was having a really hard time trying to figure out security. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they were receiving death threats galore and the city didn't have enough money to install um like a a basic fucking metal detector like a walkthrough metal detector you know that you go through yeah yeah like at a fucking mall they didn't have the money to do that so they had to specifically like schedule a day where they could borrow the handheld metal detectors from other city county buildings to bring to the courthouse so that they could individually like hand scan everyone coming in because they were convinced that there was going to be attack an attack on these guys and uh, they all came in and left and constantly wore um, bulletproof vests. Yeah, yeah. Um, the threat was real. You know, these kids. I just I can't say it enough. Like the three of these kids were fucking. They were they received life terms the moment their names were printed in the newspaper. Yeah, it just, I mean, these people were so convinced, like, oh, three teenagers tried to invoke Satan by killing three boys? Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then get him. Um, on February 5th, 1994, he was convicted by a jury. Uh, and basically, so he was convicted of first-degree murder and two counts of second-degree murder. First-degree murder for Michael Moore, who he supposedly ran and grabbed according to his confession, mm-hmm. heavy quotation marks, and then second-degree for Stephen and Chris. Um, but here's the thing. Now, we need to like kind of define murder here. Let's talk about murder. Let's talk about murder. Okay, so first-degree murder, the theme of murder is intent. Um, so first-degree murder's intent is malice of forethought. So you intended to kill someone. Um, so that's to like stabbing someone 
um, with no intent to kill, but caused great bodily harm to them, resulting in their death. This is still considered a first degree murder um, of malice of forethought, just like grabbing a gun or a knife and then specifically going out with the intent to kill them. Is. Yeah, or like a flamethrower in a Morton Joe mask. Exactly. Okay. Um, so that's where first degree murder gets kind of fuzzy because first degree murder is as simple as I 100% have the intent to kill this person. I've yes. thought about it. I'm going to do it. I've planned it. I'm wearing a special outfit. You know, I polished my gun. Yeah. This is the last time Jenny from the office gets food out of my lunch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's that. And it's also a uh, malice of a forethought. So you don't necessarily intend to kill someone, but you do intend to cause great bodily harm to them resulting in their deaths, which is what they say. Yeah. yeah. Um, he did. Second degree murder is intent provoked by reckless abandonment. So you didn't want to kill someone, but you have such a disregard to life. Like, um, easy example is street racing. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, don't want to kill anyone. You just want to race your Honda civic, but you blow through a red light and you hit a car and that person dies. Yeah. You were reckless in in that causing um the death of other people knowingly like because we can all know that if you run a red light in the middle of rush hour traffic going 100 miles an hour you'll kill someone definitely we know that as a fact so that's why it's reckless abandonment you're abandoning almost like your humanity yeah they leave that part out of the fast and the furious movies <laughs> yeah yeah i mean did they though because paul walker but um uh, oh, what? <laughs> he died he did die um so it's you didn't intend to kill them but you recklessly abandon all other concern for human life and safety okay which cool. is what he gets charged on on the other two um the next one we have and we'll just talk about it since we're talking about murder is um capital murder which spoiler alert that is what um baldwin and eccles are convicted of capital murder is not in every state. No, it's only in a handful of states. Um, at the there's a lot of states who had abolished it at this time, but it's pretty much like Texas, Arkansas, and Alabama love it, and they're yeah, yeah. still about it, which uh, should say something. So capital murder is above first degree murder. It's like super murder. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> yeah. Capital murder <laughs> is murder so with the super Superman logo on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's felony murder. Um, and it, it does not in require intent. So capital murder is just like the amount of malice. Um, so, so you satanic. just murder them harder. Yeah. You have to murder them harder and capital murder comes from, um, capital punishment, which is the fun way of saying we're going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. The state is going to kill you. So if you are convicted of capital murder, it doesn't always, like in the case of Jason Baldwin, it doesn't always mean that they're going to kill you, but it means that you're going to get the most severe punishment that is possible legally in your state. Yeah, okay. Um, and then it's also important to say that the U.S. Supreme Court has now placed limitations on the use of the death penalty and has prohibited its use in cases where the offender is mentally incompetent or under 18 at the time of the offense. Um, this didn't happen until the early 2000s. Yeah. Because if this law was in place um, back then, none of these kids would um, even be 
tried in the court in this fashion where they were given the capital murder um, yeah, charge. Super murder. The super murder charge. And it's argued that the reason, one of the main reasons why the Supreme Court had this ruling is from the West Memphis Three case in particular. All right. So um, that's murder. Yeah. Uh, the death penalty is complicated. Yes. Yes. Very and complicated. we, um, I don't know. I've never really been a fan of it, but let's see. So um, Jesse is charged. Mm-hmm. He's going to prison for life. He's serving life for the first degree murder and then 20 years each for the two second degree murders. So he's serving life plus 40 years, which is a really, you know, sentencing is so dumb in that way. They'll yeah. be like, we sentence you to three life terms. It's just like a go fuck yourself. Yeah. Really hard. So that's what happened um, to him. Um, he was carted away and uh, started his sentencing. I love the idea of like him dying and then them leaving his corpse in jail for 40 <laughs> you years. Yeah, 40 more years, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. So Eccles and Baldwin's trial begins three weeks later. Okay. Um, now, basically, the entire theme of their trial is we need to convince everyone of motive. Mm-hmm. Why would two teenagers who have everything to lose do this? Because of Satan, of course. Mm-hmm. Jesse, Miss Kelly's confession has fueled the fire. The police got what they wanted in saying that they were doing it for... They were trying to get power out of their penises or yeah, whatever Yeah, power shit. out of the penis blood, yeah, for Satan. Mm-hmm. Yep. The penis is the least powerful thing, <laughs> by the way. I, I want to say something, but um, I would... <laughs> Especially a little boy's penis. Nothing is weaker and less powerful. Than no, I know. Penis. Sometimes I literally get into the shower at night and I look down and I'm like disappointed at my own. I'm just like, oh man, that's right. This is here. What a bummer. Penises look like Down syndrome seahorses. <laughs> They're so fucking stupid. There's no power in there. You know, okay, off topic, but worth it. So this is TMI, but it's fine. We're here. We're talking about murder. Why not bring this up? So I was taking a shower with Tyler and um, I was like, you know what? Your penis reminds me of. Oh, no. (laughs) It reminds me of uh, what's that fucking uh, like elephant looking guy on Sesame Street. I have no idea. I don't watch Sesame Street. (laughs) It looks like his his nose. (laughs) Because the way it like you know retracts in cold water. Snuffleupagus? Is that who he is? (laughs) No. Oh, oh, he, I don't know his name, but it looks like that. And I'm just like, why does anyone care about that thing? <laughs> it's flaccid. Flaccid penises are sad. They're they are. so sad. There's, I just like, I just think it's so funny, you know, that the whole, the fucking document that they give police force, like the, the police force in the late 80s, early 90s, or in the satanic panic that's like, satanic cults in you. And then it's just like, the penis is the most powerful organ on the body, and it's just this sad, <laughs> it's sad, so vulnerable, flat fucking penis. Oh my god! I just, if my penis had a voice, it would be like, "I excuse me, I, uh, <laughs> I I ordered a large drink, and you gave me a small. Can I please get the large?" Oh my god. Like it's just so weird and sad and neurotic. Anyway. Flaccid penises are sad, yes, but also let's not let's not like toot our own horns, ladies. You've got you've got a sideways barbecue in your pants, so it's fucking not it's not any better. If, 
if, an, if you were speaking to an alien who had no idea about our biology and he was like, oh, that's your sex organ, huh? And you're like, yeah, this is a penis. I use this to make babies. He'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And he's like, so how does it work? And I'd be like, well, that's a woman. I'm going to put my penis in the vagina. That's that thing between her legs. And he'd be like, Mm-mm, don't do not do that. <laughs> that is a trap. You do not know what is in there. Pretty sure that's a trap. <laughs> so... Oh my god, but uh <laughs> our genitals are gross. Genitals they're are also gross. amazing. They're I great. put them in my mouth all the time. Who doesn't? Not my own, but <laughs> thanks for the clarification. I need to clarify. <laughs> no auto fellatio is happening <laughs> at my house. Fucking what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> oh, back I to saw <laughs> what? <laughs> I just don't want our listeners to think I suck my own dick. I don't think they did. I think you're the only one. <laughs> I have a comp. I just don't want people to think that. <laughs> I know I'm incriminating myself. <laughs> do you know what people who who don't suck their own dicks do? Talk about how they don't <laughs> suck their own dicks. <laughs> I'm definitely incriminating myself. Oh my god. Okay, so back to the beginning. They want it to be the occult. No powers in a penis. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Okay. Um. So. What do they do if they need to keep this narrative going? They need the motive. They need us to believe that these kids did it for Satan or else the whole case falls apart. So they bring in a cult expert. Sounds pretty fucking cool. How do I get that job? Apparently, all I have to do is go online and print out a document that says Shane Smith, a cult expert. <laughs> yep. And then it just has two skeletons playing guitar <laughs> on the sides of it. So it looks And cool. a gold star as yeah, the seal. It's Good old uh, so fucking lame. Columbia Pacific University. I'm not sure if it's still around but maybe if you dig in some fucking hoarder from the early 90s house you'll find a pamphlet about it where you can open it up uh fill out the flyer and call the 1-800 number mail it in and then you will also become a doctor with a phd in the occult yeah so his name is dr dale w griffiths which is the lamest name for an occult expert Fucking quack so he basically goes up there and he says a bunch of shit instead of being an actual expert on the occult they're like hey um what are some signs of people who believe in the occult mm -hmm. so picture uh your racist uncle at thanksgiving now he has a phd and he a pretend phd and he's going to get on the stand and be like, black nails, black hair, wearing black, and occasionally tattooing yourself is 100% proof of occult actions and doings. W what? Yeah, it's like, what? Make, he's basically what? just like... He just says like, oh, if you're a kid who's even remotely into metal or goth... Mm -hmm anything yeah even i think he even says if you listen to heavy metal yep. you might be he says like individually these things aren't bad wearing black listening to heavy metal but when they come together that's the problem yeah yeah and you're just, just like how out of touch are you just you imagine fucking asshole. a fucking even dumber jeff foxworthy just being like if you if y'all if you have black nail polish you might be into the occult. Here's your sign. <laughs> <laughs> just like Here's a, you worship Satan. Here's your sign. Here's your you know, sign. it's fucking insane. It's, it's absolutely so insane. Dumb. If you mutilate little boys' penises, you might be into the occult. Here's your sign. <laughs> it's just <laughs> fucking. It's that ridiculous. It really mm -mm. is. It is just the most 
just out of touch uneducated evidence that anyone has ever presented to a fucking court in a murder trial where people are gonna fucking die and they're just like "Mm -hmm," eating it the fuck up and then he also um he says that the dates being close to Beltine, which is on May 1st, um, which is a Wiccan holiday where I'm assuming you get naked and put crystals inside of your vagina. Yeah, yeah. And then it's the day before Walpurgnox, which is Walpurgnox. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I Some am German Mucusy. shit. It's another, you know, Wiccan witch holiday, pagan holiday. And apparently... Uh, it is German, so it's probably kind of creepy. It's probably creepy. So There's that spankings was for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good time. There also was a full moon on the night of the murders. Spooky. So everyone was like, absolutely. Like that's they who needs DNA evidence? Who needs blood at the crime scene? Who needs valid confessions? There was a full moon. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't try to. Tr- I'm surprised he didn't put the moon on trial at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. Fuck you, moon! It's and he's just like guys screaming. There's just officers round the clock shooting at the moon. <laughs> Y'all get him yet? Nope. We we gonna get him eventually. Oh <laughs> my just god! Shooting at the moon, taking shifts. I'd like to think that there was someone's like hippie mom who smoked a lot of weed and just loved crystal healing on the stand who was like. Well, Mercury was in retrograde, so I think that the murders could have happened. I'm getting really bad vibes from them. And they're just like, mm-hmm, tell us more. And she's just like burning sage in the fucking courtroom, and everyone's just like eating that shit Ugh. up. Every time I meet someone who's like trying to talk to me about my sign and talk, and then they're always like, Mercury's in retrograde. I'm like, I wish you were on Mercury right now, <laughs> burning alive. <laughs> covered in sulfur fucking like eating mercury yeah so um so basically this guy comes up all right he's a complete moron then he's a fucking um, quack paul ford oh beautiful the the defense attorney basically goes up there and he's like i'm gonna fucking rip this guy to shreds and he's like instead of being instead of doing the normal like okay you you if you listen to metal and paint your nails black you're just a fucking dork Mm-hmm. You're not a you're not worshiping Satan. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go that route, which is the easy route. Mm-hmm. He f- does his research and he's like, "By the way, you're fu- the university you went to, you fucking uh used Windows 95 <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah. to go online and print off a certificate. What classes did you take?" Yeah, and he's like, "Uh n- none." Yeah. And, and then, then how long did you go to school? Um, I did. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. He's so awkward. He's asking him these questions, and then he starts getting like more silent. And like Paul Ford will not fucking quit. So he keeps saying the same question, but he rewords it. So he'll be like, "Um, how were you accepted in enrollment to Columbia Pacific University?" Yeah, and then the guy's like, "I uh, I uh, filled out a uh, I had to submit." Uh, and he's like, did you have to fill out a pamphlet? This one here. And just like out of his asshole pulls out the pamphlet. <laughs> he just has the pamphlet. He's like waving it around. And he's like, uh, yeah. And then he's like, so between the years of 1982 and 1984, how many classes did you take? And he's just like, 
uh yeah columbia pacific university is is was like a fake school Mm -hmm. it would just imagine it was the the trump university of its time imagine if phoenix university was was a thing but also the professors were dogs yeah like that's (laughs) columbia university also i want to fucking go to that school i mean apparently you (laughs) just get a phd for filling out a fucking flyer so sign me the fuck up what what do you do when you get to class and it's just a golden retriever wearing glasses at the desk <laughs> that sounds so great um and just to further <laughs> barks a lot <laughs> you just sit down all confused like wait is this real some guy's writing something and he's like what are you doing and he's like turn in your tests and every test is just a drawing of a bone that says good boy inside of it that's like your final the final for the class is just like who is a good boy (laughs) (laughs) i wish that's what school is like um but the fucking what's the asshole judge's name david something david burnett so david burnett is such a fucking incompetent asshole that um paul ford's roasting fucking dale griffiths the occult specialist he's fucking roasting him it's a goddamn cookout bring your family we're having a barbecue yeah but burnett judge burnett is such a fucking asshole that even though this guy's fucking validity was called into question and proven wrong he's like uh i don't understand your argument you can be um a professional in a field and not have to have a degree as far as i'm concerned you could have a third grade education but if you have enough knowledge in the field then you can also be a savant of it and it's like uh what the f- i love it and what? when he says that it's almost insane it's like hey guys you know let's let's get off this guy's case i feel like you could like barely graduate the third grade and not even read that good but still be a judge yeah. so he could do this and or you're maybe like, like motherfucker did you graduate high school <laughs> i bet burnett was just projecting his own insecurities like if they fuck like <laughs> fuck if they keep investigating they're gonna find out like i'm a fucking lizard in a human suit i don't even <laughs> belong here yeah it's it's just the gross incompetence in this fucking case is unreal you have um with miss kelly you have his friends and fellow wrestlers bringing pictures and documents showing that he was three hours away fucking wrestling you have um paul ford roasting the fuck out of dale griffiths being like you're a quack you're a fucking mail order phd bullshit nonsenser and then you have goddamn asshole judge burnett being like no 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 fuck you idiots can be here and they have validity in their statements and it's just the whole thing is like a fucking snl skit it's like you have just one person who has basic intelligence being like what the fuck is this ass backwards land i don't understand yeah it's insane so a cult guy gets wrecked by paul ford like you said the judge dismisses it and is like, no, you can be an expert. And of course, all the jurors are like, well, if a judge thinks that, then I think that. Well, they're like, you and know, really good idiots. about rock collections. And yeah. he's like, I never graduate. I dropped out of kindergarten, but I know a lot about granite. Yeah, listen, I graduated from preschool. I ain't got to take shit from nobody. Mm-mm. <laughs> like, Mm-mm. so, um, basically, you feel like open and shut case. Like, now let's move on from the occult shit. You've been proven wrong. You have no argument. But they keep going. So then um, who? another person who oddly plays... Now, I don't know how much he was actually at the... Um, 
the the trial itself but he oddly plays a role in this is damien's parole officer he had a personal vendetta against damien Mm -hmm. which was just absolutely insane and so he's coming at damien and he made a lot of statements that are going to factor into the occult stuff all right so jerry was convinced that uh, damien was part of a satanic group um in contrast obviously damien repeatedly stated he followed the wiccan faith a pacifist nature-based religion. Lame. Uh, <laughs> as Chris, Nerd alert. <laughs> as Chris Christopherson said about another man in black, he's a walking contradiction, partly truth and partly fiction. Ooh. Yeah, it's fun. So Jerry Driver was quoted as saying, he, the priest, said that Damien came to church. I think he had came uh that previous um that winter or fall and had professed a great interest in the catholic religion and um had converted and had his name changed um and then had quit coming and he related to me that after he quit coming someone tried to break into the sarkisti sacristy and he had always wondered if uh, if he had anything to do with it, of course that's one of the things those guys do. That's kind of kind of modus operandi. They go to the Catholic Church and find out as much as they can, break into the sacristy and steal the host and the lunette. Now, I just want everyone to know I read that verbatim the way he said it. If I, I sounded dumb, it's because I was reading it as he was quoted as saying I was it having- exactly the hardest time following that yeah he's fucking dumb as a box of rocks and he's a parole oh officer God. every time the pause would happen it was always after like stop coming yeah and that's I what, like, I know, what? I is this know. like we is this like a subliminal messages oh my god so also um he continues on and uh and this is he's talking about the ex-girlfriend and Diana was trying to conceive a child and that child was to be sacrificed and we we got that information from informants and from some drawings that we um that we had confiscated from from Damien at the time and and I think you all have those uh one which had four tombstones and a baby's foot behind it and a rattle and power emanating up into the moon or something and they always denied that and they always denied that they always said no that's not the case but several people very close to them confidential informant people said that was going on so drivers basically saying damien became catholic changed his name was a practicing member of the face for for years only to try and steal the body and blood of christ from the catholic church isn't the body and blood of christ in the catholic church just it's, wine and uh it's fucking wine and cookies? crackers yeah yeah, yeah. You could just go to uh, your local Walmart and pick that up for uh, two fifty. Yeah, but then it's not the body of Jesus. Sure, you got to get that sick, sick. I'd body also of like to say that they're they're trying to say that uh, him and his baby mama planned out their pregnancy um, so that they could sacrifice their baby. There, you know, f- fun fact: I think teen pregnancy is the most unplanned, <laughs> spontaneous <laughs> fucking thing yeah. that'll ever happen in your life. Uh, I'd also like to say that that would require them to have like intelligence and forethought. Uh, she was, uh, 
white trash fucking idiot. Yeah. Also, they're in West Memphis. So, like, the fact that they even figured out how to have sex is a miracle. It really is. It's just like, as soon as he found out she was pregnant, he was probably like, wait, what? But how? What about... But where, okay, but how does the stork factor into all this? I only spit in your mouth once. I don't, I can't. What? <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. So um, Driver went on to say, although he had referred to his informants, to, he referred to his informants to the police a bunch, is basically what I'm trying to say. They told the police different stories, and when asked if Driver knew who were the 10 or 15 people in the cult Damien was a part of, he would say, I have suspicious, you know, and several of them I think we've have already give to you all to talk to Jesus um but they don't Christ. say the same things to you that they all say to us. So basically he's just stumbling over his words constantly. Clearly. Just a fucking complete moron. So as odd as all these claims were and as shaky as the evidence was to support them, Driver was willing to pass along all these accusations from his fake informants, from the rumors that he would hear. And in August of 1992, shortly after Eccles had moved with his family to Oregon, uh, supervision of his probation was transferred to the local authorities. The probation officer contacted Jerry Driver to like get notes on mm-hmm. Damien because mm-hmm. he's the new probation officer mm-hmm. and and he took these exact notes from jerry driver the new parole officer wrote these down having a conversation with jerry driver on the phone note one damien and several others of his associates are involved in a satanic cult mm-hmm. note two damien and his girlfriend were both placed in a psychiatric hospital in in that the two of them had made a suicidal pact with one another, which is just romantic. It's teen love. Yeah, that's cool. Number three, well, suicide isn't cool. Don't, but, I mean, it's yeah. not cool, but... Suicide like. packs are cool. <laughs> the, the, I mean, what, you know... The, <laughs> oh, man. You know what I mean. Everyone knows what I mean. Suicide isn't cool, but like, hey, if you died, I would want to die because I love you so much. Be romantic about it, not literal about yeah, if it. If you're going to die, be romantic about it. Come on, guys. Note three, Damien threatened to kill his girlfriend's parents which is again very romantic that is this is such teen angst this is such a little fucking teen angsty relationship where you're like i would die without you i would kill for you but really like some fucking volleyball player with a six-pack runs by and she's sucking his dick and all of a sudden you're writing sad poetry in the men's locker room a volleyball player that's what you went with i don't know sports (laughs) sports <laughs> oh man that is not real are you kidding me she you know what she looks like you think a football player is giving her any time of day maybe Mm-mm. she's water polo and volleyball only <laughs> oh no i played water polo uh, yeah my <laughs> exactly. case in point <laughs> okay fair checkmate <laughs> so Jamie threatened to kill her parents which is again romantic in my i mean he didn't mean it probably i have threatened to kill so many people's parents mm-hmm Sure. Totally That's, normal. Damien claim is a note for Damien claims he is a witch, which is fucking cool. Hell yeah. I'm a witch. I'm down. Note uh, six, Damien and his girlfriend were planning to have a child so that they could offer it as a sacrifice to Satan. Note seven, the authorities in Arkansas suspect that Damien's parents are involved in the satanic belief system. Uh, yeah. And so those are all the notes. The, the Jerry Driver guy gave those notes to him. So what a fucking Dr- asshole. He thinks it goes all the way to the top. He thinks Damien is satanic. He thinks his parents are involved. This dude is just the worst fucking parole officer of all time, apparently. 
I feel like Damien must have said something to him. He Damien had to fuck must, with him constantly. He had to be fucking with him. He had to be like, oh, you know, your wife told me, uh, go fuck yourself. Like, he had to be roasting him constantly. There's no way this guy just out of nowhere gets this, like, hard on for fucking Damien over. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely insane. So um, at this point in the case, they've basically solidified in everyone's mind that Damien is a Satanist, no mm-hmm. matter how often he says he's Wiccan or that he's just interested in magic and the occult and that has nothing to do necessarily with sacrificing babies or trying to get power out of penises, however <laughs> that works. Yeah. So at this point, um, they start interviewing Damien a lot. And at one point, they say Damien incriminates himself. Yeah. Um, so Damien's a smart ass and um Damien's always talking back to um the prosecution, but specifically Damien kind of okay, I should say the news the day the boys were found, the news reported on it and it was front page. Yes. Front page coverage. It was all over and they didn't get Damien and Jesse and Jason until, you know, weeks later. So there had all this time had passed where stories and, you know, the rumors were flying and even fucking Byers, John Byers, fucking the moments after they find the kids' bodies, he's in front of a camera being like, you know, Satan had something to do with this. So Damien has read all that, just like everyone else in that fucking city has. Yeah. And so he just says what he knows based off of the news reports. Literally just paying any amount of attention whatsoever to the most important thing that's Mm -hmm. ever happened in that town. He's like, yeah, I heard that they mutilated the kid's penis, which is uh, fucked up. Uh, Yeah, I heard that they drowned, you know. I heard they were bound and I heard that they were beaten. Yeah, and, and, and the police were like, how y'all be knowing this? Exactly. And, he, and Damien's like, I read it in a newspaper. And then Carl from the back is like, I ain't gonna read no goddamn newspaper. Mm-hmm. What if there are vampires in mm-hmm. there? Scared I ain't doing no reading. I ain't, got, I I ain't no, gonna read it. I ain't gonna do it. I ain't do doing it. no reading. You know that they the cops probably saw those exact same newspapers and were just like, now what does that say (laughs) (laughs) he had no clue not enough pictures but Mm, what's kathy mm. up to she hates work (laughs) i like the cat that doesn't like mondays they just go to like the misconnection section of the fucking newspaper i just feel like i could be a cat because like (laughs) i don't i don't like mondays either you know (laughs) and i'm just like always trying to eat lasagna am i a cat (laughs) i have so many questions you know these fucking guys they're just such idiots that even though um, Damien was like, no, I read it in the fucking news like everyone else did. They brought that to trial and were like, here's proof of Damien yeah. giving specific details about the crime. And then Damien's attorneys are like, hey, here's the newspaper with the fucking date of the next day. Yeah, This is where he got it from. And they're like, you know, we don't know how to read. <laughs> yeah, they, just, they, they just keep basically... It, Logic prevails, and then everyone ignores it. Yeah, Damien, you have specific knowledge of the crime. You did this crime. How else could you possibly have this knowledge? I clearly read it in a fucking newspaper. Okay, but like, are newspapers real, really? You know. And then who knows? The jury just completely dismiss the the fucking the winning argument. It's yeah. insane. So at this point, um, 
the defense is like, okay, or the prosecution is like, we don't have a lot of physical evidence. And by not a lot of, I mean, we have zero we physical have evidence. We have no physical evidence. So what all. we got to do is we need testimonies. We need to create evidence. We need to create evidence. And so they do this starting with Christy Van Bickle and Jody. uh, her last name's been redacted. We don't know her last name. They're both minors. They're both, I want to say, um, like 12 or 13. They're mm-hmm. very young girls. Again, this is just more young kid rumor stuff mm-hmm. that the police have been chasing. So they start off with um, Christy Van Brink- Bink- Bickle. Van Bickle, fun name. And she's all like, all I heard was Damien say that he killed those three boys and he planned on killing more before he was arrested. And they're like, okay, so when did you hear him say this? And she's like, I don't remember. And they're like, how close was he to you when he said this? She's like, I don't know. What did he say before? I don't know. What did he say after? I don't know. How did you hear it? Was he yelling it? Was he talking purposefully loud? Was he whispering it? Were you eavesdropping? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Christy knows fucking nothing. So then they bring on her friend Jody, who is like, who who adds a little bit to it. She's like, no, I was with Christy. We were at a softball game in June, and we heard Damien say that he killed those three boys and he was going to kill again. But she still had no context, no nothing. It was just like, I heard this, so here you go. Yeah, yeah. Also, why is Damien in a softball game? Is that even real? I feel like that's a lie. Yeah. He no seems like the type of guy who is softball. not going to a softball game. Nope. All right. So at this point, um, you may... Th- they bring up another person to testify um, who was in um, basically he was in the holding cells with Damien, right? Um, he was in the holding cells with Jason. So Jason. yeah, this guy, Michael, he is right. Yeah. Michael, Michael Carson. Michael Carson is. So those two girls are specifically used against Damien. Michael Carson is specifically used against Jason because the two of them are being tried at the same time. Um, Michael Carson is, is in the drug and alcohol counseling center at the juvenile correction facility that Jason is being held at. So Jason isn't in that counseling center, but he's in the same um, prison essentially as this kid. And naturally when new kids come in with a high profile case, people talk about it, Yeah. especially when you're in prison and you, nothing's going on. The most interesting thing is who's coming in and what crime did they commit? It's like, you need to know it. It's the fucking latest gossip. And that also bleeds onto the people who work there. Totally. So correctional officers, counselors, they're all, um, you know, contributing to the rumor mill. And that's what happened in this situation. Um, so Danny Williams is the counselor that was heading the drug and alcohol center in the um, juvenile correctional facility. Um, and he called Jason's defense attorney and was like, hey, this kid, Michael Carson, is currently right now talking to West Memphis PD. He is making a false testimony. And I know it's a lie 
because everything he's saying, I told him and he specifically told me that he was going to bring it up to the PD to get Jason convicted. Um, and Danny Williams, the counselor is all like, I feel so guilty. I was just speaking out loud about the case. I was like, yeah, we have this kid, Jason, and he's in here because they think that um, he murdered this kid for satanic ritual. And then the kid's like, what's satanic ritual? And he's like, I don't know where they like cut the penis off and stuff and, you know, try to get power from Satan. I don't, I don't know, you know, and let's let's go back to the assigned reading, whatever. And um, Michael Carson is a fucking serial, like, petty criminal. He's a drug addict, severe drug addict, not just with, like, I don't know, your run-of-the-mill weed, but he was, like, um, doing meth, and he was doing a lot of acid and LSD, and he was just essentially melting his fucking brain. Yeah. And he was not there 100% of the time. He has stolen a lot of ECRs. Yeah, so many. He was robbing Blockbuster fucking blind. I mean, it could be why they went out of business, why they wanted to take <laughs> things digital on Netflix is specifically because of him. Um, and so Jason's defense attorneys go to the judge, judge fucking asshole Barnett, and they're like, hey, we have this guy, Danny Williams. He's like a certified counselor at this correctional center he knows that this testimony is false and you know this is michael carson's background in history we we need to stop this before it, anything ever happens and the judge basically is like go fuck yourself and what happens is michael carson and west memphis pd make a deal so michael carson gets time off of his sentencing and gets some fucking charges taken off yep. because he confesses of yeah. course I'll, he's going to fucking yeah. do it. I'll confess to anything yeah. th that someone else did that I'm not going to get in trouble for if I'm going to get my sentence mm -hmm. lowered. Then I can get out on the street and start doing more meth. Mm -hmm. exactly. Whatever it takes to get meth. And the worst part about it is that, so then you're like, okay, that's fine. Let him go to the stand. And then let Jason Baldwin's um, beautiful defense attorney, who's so good at clapping back, let him tear him apart. Well, another part of that deal was not just um, Michael Carson getting time off and um, charges reduced. It was also that they couldn't question his credibility in the court. So they couldn't bring up how he, um, like why he was incarcerated. They couldn't bring up his criminal history or past. They couldn't make him look like the piece of shit that he was. They yeah. tried ever so briefly. They were like, so you're telling me the only time you've ever had a conversation with Jason Baldwin, he confessed to you. And I quote, yeah, Jason told me that he cut the penis off and sucked the blood out of the penis and put the balls in his mouth. You're telling me <laughs> that the just, only conversation that, that's such a strong opening line. Right? Like what? Hi, hi. My name is Jason. I was just, you know, uh, you ever just like cut someone's dick off and you're like sucking on the blood and then you pop the balls in your mouth and you're like, I feel so strong from Satan. What was your name? <laughs> you know, like that's like, not. And then that's what, you know, that's what the fucking jury believed. And that's what this kid was selling. And um, it's so fucking ridiculous. Try, try making friends at a party like that. <laughs> you just might. opening line. If you make any, they're pedophiles. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you also have to think Jason Baldwin is a quiet, reserved kid. 
And so you're going to try to tell me that the first conversation you ever had was this. You're a fucking liar. And of course they step out of line because that's a borderline questioning his credibility and it just gets thrown out. And uh, this kid's testimony is taken, you know, at face value. It's unfortunate because both those two, we're going to go in a time machine real quick. Those two girls and Michael Carson, um, when the West of Memphis documentary comes out after they've all been released, spoiler alert, in like 2012 or 2013, they all come on and they're like, no, we said that that was a lie. That was a lie. Michael Carson's like, I'm so sorry. Like I was a fucking addict. I would do anything to get out of jail and get high again. I didn't care who I hurt. And I'm so sorry. The two girls were like, we were scared by the police. And, you know, our parents were super religious and they were pressuring us to say something. And we know that we ruined these kids' lives. And we're sorry about it. But yeah, a sorry 18 years later doesn't take back the fact that these guys fucking wasted away in a prison cell for most of their life. Yeah, 18 years later when there's no risk of anything happening to you, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, at this point, you're like, well, where's Jason been during all this? They're coming after Jason now. Well, Jason has stayed quiet because he's sort of... Uh, basically, they're going after Damien. If they get Damien, they're going to get Jason no matter what. Yeah. So Jason's trying not to incriminate himself or make it worse than it needs to be. The defense of a very specific strategy that is good and it's working kind of in Jason's favor. Um, but here's where it gets weird. At this point, the defense or the the prosecutors, the police themselves are like, hey, they tip off the news? Yes. So um, November of 94, the police tip off the news to say, hey, in 24 hours, we're about to find something behind Jason Baldwin's trailer. And the trailer park sat along the banks of a lake. So they were going to find something in the lake. And an hour in to the dive in this lake, the news media surrounded cameras, you know, live footage. A diver pops up and pulls out this fucking Rambo knife. And they're like, we got him. We have the fucking murder weapon. Yeah. It's just the worst laid. Mm-hmm. Like, it's terror. It's it's a plant. It is for sure a plant. And later on, again, going in a time machine, later on, people will be like, uh, no, we saw Jason's mom. Uh, she got mad at Jason months, almost a year before the murders happened. And as punishment, she threw his favorite knife in the lake and uh, a neighbor tattled on her to basically help the police plant. Yeah. But no matter which way you spin it, the police still knowingly used this piece of evidence, quote unquote, uh, you know, that wasn't actually evidence. It was planted in a way they misconstrued it to make it seem like. This knife had something to do with it. And they were about to put on the best fucking game of charades to make the jury yeah. believe it was true. So at this point, they bring the knife into court. They entered into evidence late. John Fogelman, who's not a forensic pathologist, he is the opposite of a forensic pathologist. Mm-hmm. He's 
trying to show how look at the wounds on this kid's body are kind of look like it was made by a serrated knife and then he's takes an apple and he has a knife the knife Mm -hmm. and he's like hitting it into the apple like look how it makes a similar pattern yeah because fucking apples and people are generally (laughs) the same thing and then like there's a bunch of weird scratches on the bodies which we'll later learn is from the turtles like scratching at the bodies to get close to like rip off skin and so he's trying to justify those marks by like taking the knife and like grazing it across the apple as if to like give it a little tickle yeah it's so fucking creepy it's so ridiculous at this point you're just like this guy's a moron but people are eating it up now they're like what other evidence do you have they're like hey what about mr bojangles do you remember him from episode one Mm -hmm. the bloody guy in the restroom of the restaurant bojangles who's in the ladies restroom and got blood everywhere well they eventually collected his blood but then they're like, so what about his blood? And they have a cop on the stand who's like, yeah, I was, uh, it's, uh, it's my bad. I, I lost mm-hmm. it. I'll take full responsibility <laughs> he just... to say that I'm sorry I lost the evidence. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was, the Texans were on and I was watching that and I thought I was dipping into ketchup. <laughs> uh, so I got real grossed out. And I threw it out, and I'm sorry. (laughs) And they're just like, wait, so you're telling me that you lost the blood samples of the guy who clearly was, like, suspect number fucking one in this case? And he's just like... Yep, it's about "Mm -hmm, right. Yeah, um, I'm so sorry. And And then they take him off the stand and nothing. He never lost his job. He probably got promoted, for all we (sighs) fucking know. Fucking terrible. But speaking of knives... (laughs) At this point, John Byers, the crazy... If you've ever seen the the documentary Paradise Lost, and a lot of you haven't, and I understand that, John Byers is uh, the Byers... uh, One of the kids who died, he's his stepfather. He is an insane person. He is absolutely an insane person. Clearly, he's just very, very wound up about Jesus and Satan (laughs) and everything else. So wound up. So he is so he's he's talking to the HBO directors and becomes friends with them as they're filming the documentary Paradise Lost and he gifts he's wanting the knives just he's so in the knives super in the knives he gifts a knife to the HBO director of the documentary and the knife he gifts to this guy has blood caked on it mm-hmm. so the dude's just like what the fuck? And he's like, what the fuck is this? And it's L- literally just looking around like, someone tell me this isn't actually <laughs> happening. And it's not blood like on the knife. It's blood into like where the mechanism bends to like make the knife yeah, bend like in. Yeah, like he tried cleaning it yeah, and it's like got he, blood caked inside exactly, of it. Exactly. Like, so they're immediately so this guy literally like takes the knife from him and then hands it to a police officer Yeah, he's like, oh, thank you and just turns around backhanded. So the police, um, they interrogate John Byers about it, and they end up putting him on the stand because when they do a blood test, they find out that the blood type of the blood on the knife matches Byers and the boy. Yeah, it's unfortunate because at this time, DNA evidence was in its fucking caveman stage. And the only thing that they could do with blood evidence was tell you basically what blood type you were. And it like a little bit more in detail than that, but essentially tell you what blood type you were. And they could say that, yes, even though Byers and the son weren't blood related, they still had the same blood type. And that's what we're finding here. 
So it's tough to be like, was this John Byers blood or was it the kid's blood? We don't know. But what we do know is that we need to put this motherfucker on the stand and question him. And they do that. And it turns into like cringe fest 94. It's tough. He, ugh, he cannot keep his story straight and immediately incriminates himself not to the people in the jury no but to everyone watching because this the trial was televised and to everyone who would later see the documentaries everyone just looked at that fucking 20 minutes of him on the stand and are like uh hey this fucking guy is definitely out there killing kids he uh uh he for sure fucking did it (laughs) yeah he for sure fucking did it like he's Oh my God! On the stand, he'll say shit like, uh, "I don't know. Uh, there's no way that knife could have had blood on it." Uh, two minutes later, yeah, you know, I was uh trying to cut up a deer that I had just shot with that knife, and yeah, I mean, it may have been deer blood, it may have been my blood. Uh, so you you just said that uh the knife had never been used before. Oh, I don't know. What? You can't. Uh, yeah. What the fuck? It's what t- it was such a fucking circus. This whole trial was a circus, but specifically when he gets on the fucking stand. This and this kind of goes back to the Jesse Miss Kelly thinks. I don't think Byers did it. I don't think Byers. This did just it goes back to the you're under pressure. You you're not socially acclimated well. Mm-hmm. You're maybe not the highest IQ of a person. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's so he's just struggling under pressure. He's saying whatever. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really know what he's doing. And it, it's just so cloudy and confusing to get any kind of real information out of him. Yeah. It's basically like trying to get like a fucking five year old to tell you a story. Exactly. You know? It just it's- trails off. It has <clears throat> no point. It has no beginning, middle, and end. It's just nonsense ramblings. It's just word soup. So the trial's coming to a close. And at this point, I think the last important thing that happens is Fogelman gives a statement. Ugh, motherfucking the Fogelman. Prosecutor. Oh, well, before this, I don't think we talked about um, the, they had a forensic pathologist come on to defend Damien and basically be like, there's no way that this is the murder scene. Um, the bodies had no mosquito bites on them. So that proves that they were never outside when the murders occurred and that this was just a dumping ground. There was also no blood at the crime scene, which is a big problem because these kids lost significant amounts of blood and there was not a single drop there. Also, um, the forensic pathologist was like being questioned on the stand. He was like, uh, do you think under the conditions in which this quote, you know, would have happened. So it would have happened in the water because that's the only way to explain there not being blood because the only other explanation would be, okay, it happened on the land on shore and then they put them in the water. Okay. Then you've got gallons of blood soaking into the dirt that you'll be able to find for years. That didn't happen. So it must've happened in the water. So you're telling me at, you know, nine o'clock at night, middle of summer, surrounded by mosquitoes it's dark you're able to perform this type of precision mutilation on this boy's genitals and the guy's like no way absolutely not because the penis wasn't removed the skin was ripped off of it which is we later find out from the turtle just grabbing skin just grabbing your penis (laughs) pulling it 
But, you know, they tried to say that Damien specifically cut it this special way for Satan. And the forensic pathologist is like, even with a scalpel and, you know, and this had to apparently happen with a Rambo knife. Um, he's like, even with a scalpel, with my 50 plus years of delicate surgery and experience, there's no circumstance that I would be able to do this. It would take me probably hours in perfect conditions in a stable environment. And you're saying that this happened in mosquito and turtle infested waters in the dark in 30 minutes. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. It's just absolutely insane. Also, I'm kind of realizing, I think the story of the tortoise and the hare is scarier than we thought. He clearly (laughs) beat the hare by biting off his penis. <laughs> yeah, we never had we never had that. <laughs> so um So we have Fogelman. Yeah, Fogelman uh he gives like one last statement in order to close out. Yeah, this is their this is their closing argument. So they have two times they take turns basically. The defense says something, the prosecutor does prosecutors say something and then the defense can counter that and then the prosecutors can counter that and those are their closing statements. This is the last thing that they're ever going to say to this jury before they um, go make the convictions. And I think it's the most hypocritical thing that perfectly summarizes what happened during this whole case. And um, Fogelman says, look at history. Look at hundreds of years of religious history. There have been hundreds of people killed in the name of religion It is an innovating force. It gives people who want to do evil, who want to commit murders, a reason to do what they're doing. So, (laughs) he literally, he basically is trying to say, like, look at this. People do awful shit in the name of religion all the time. These guys are Satanists. Mm -hmm. So, they are doing awful shit in the name of religion. When in reality, they're doing awful shit to these guys in the name of religion. Exactly. The irony is thick it is rich it is so rich you could cut it with a knife it, it is, is insane. It is thicker than every person who eats at outback steakhouse mm-hmm. it is thick so thick it's fucking crazy i can't ugh. it's hard to wrap your mind around it because it would you'd think if i was a juror or if i was someone in the courtroom i would probably at that moment get up and scream that would be the straw that broke my back <laughs> i would get up i would scream i would pull my hair out and i'd be like you're a fucking moron because in a way looking back on it he just made the argument as to why they're wrong as to why the prosecution is wrong as to why west memphis as a whole is fucking wrong because they're using their religion and superstition and satanic panic fueled by hardcore bible belt christians to fucking i mean basically kill three more innocent kids yeah and it's it's fucking disgusting oh it's terrible so um at this point jason is sentenced to life without parole and three counts of super murder capital murder yep uh damien is three counts of super murder death by lethal injection yeah damien gets death by lethal injection because they paint him as the ringleader as the most creepy of them all yeah 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 And um, I want to point this out. You and I had talked about it, but I really want to point this out. Um, Damien Eccles has changed my views on the death penalty. 
I used to be pro pro fucking death penalty. Bad people kill them. But then I learned about um, the Innocence Project and people being wrongly convicted and being put on death row and potentially being killed when they were innocent. And then I also learned about people who deserve to be in death row and in solitary confinement being given the release of death. And people like everyone in West Memphis who convicted Damien to death by lethal injection believe with every ounce of their being that what comes after death for him is worse than anything imaginable that he will be met with fucking fire and brimstone and be tortured till the end of time and then even after that in hell the reality of is that is nonsense yeah and if you really want to punish a person who has done something wrong you keep them in solitary confinement for the rest of their life because that is purgatory solitary confinement is a dimly lit cell that never sees the light of day. You never have contact with anyone. You get your things taken away from you. So you're just left with like a bed. You'll try to kill yourself and then they'll revive you and they'll put you back in that cell just to keep fucking reliving it. And then after you do that, they take the little things you had They take it away from you. They give you a fucking rubber sheet that can't be tied in a knot. They feed you the bare minimum. They keep you basically alive, just slightly alive, and you are suffering. The worst torture you can do to someone is leave them alone. Yeah, it's it's, solitary confinement is pretty disgusting. I almost don't even believe in solitary confinement. It's bad. So um, Damien, at this point, is going to be in solitary confinement 10 of the next 18 years of his life. Yep. Solitary confinement uh, drives people insane. Absolutely. uh, Destroys people's lives completely. And uh, I also, I've always not really supported the death penalty. I've always erred on the side of caution. I think everyone, no matter how horrific or emotional a crime makes us, is innocent until proven guilty. And we should not treat things otherwise, Mm -hmm. even though we have a huge prevailing culture of guilty upon accusation right now in our country that is no matter how well-meaning absolutely fucking disgusting and will destroy innocent people um it has just like it did here yeah yeah. so um the idea basically is uh these people got accused of something they didn't do everyone was so sure and they were wrong um we are going to do that more uh and just because everyone in west memphis is backwoods and ridiculous doesn't mean you listening to this podcast an educated person who possibly lives in a city or thinks highly of themselves isn't also capable of having cognitive bias and sentencing someone for a crime that you're emotional about or that means something to you when they didn't commit it so um you know stay logical stay unemotional try and uh stay unbiased stay stay unbiased listen to victims but also listening to a victim and being there for them is different than trusting them over the accused you can't do that it just does it's not how a a justice system that works works so anyway isn't it like justice is blind yeah yeah you can't come into it being like this and this you just have to listen to all the stories and through logic evidence and reasoning you have to figure your way through that to the truth i mean one of the things damien will say to this day is this case is not unique this happens all over 
constantly where innocent people are put away and even sentenced to death for a crime that they didn't commit. Yeah, and this is, I mean, it's super common and uh, it, ugh, the the subject of like um, sex crimes especially gets people heated. But you can't act like you act on the internet, everyone. It just doesn't work. You're going to hurt innocent people. Basically, the idea is, are you willing to kill, are you willing to destroy every guilty person at the cost of innocence also? Or are you willing to save innocent people at the cost of your own good feelings? And that's really tough. Mm-hmm. And the right answer is the harder answer. That yeah. is clear. So yeah. um, this case has brought both of us to think a lot. I've had a lot of introspection regarding justice and how all of this works and how absolutely ridiculously difficult it is to reconcile the idea that I might have to think about crimes that make me emotional in such a way that I do not let an accusation override what I think is true or not true. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely um, what we're about to talk about specifically with Damien and the rest of them trying to um, bring an appeal to their case really made me see how um, terrible our justice system is and how it works for nobody. Um, So they're all convicted. Mm -hmm. And immediately after, Damien attempts to appeal his conviction by saying um, gross incompetence, that his defense attorneys are, they didn't represent him accurately. And they missed opportunities to protect him, which is fair. His defense attorneys weren't the greatest. I mean, every argument that we brought up that was great were um, Jason Baldwin's defense attorneys. They they should have been appealing to the jury and not doing what they did. I mean, Damien got within 48 hours of his um, injection date, I guess, from the day that he was sentenced to death. and he got that close. It took a third party stepping in and telling his lawyers, hey, you know, you can file this paperwork and prevent this from happening. They had no fucking idea. Damien would have died if it wasn't for someone else stepping in and being like, hey, lawyers, do your job. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So the so. incompetence was 100 percent there. Um, a year after their sentence, HBO releases the documentary, which is now famous, called Paradise Lost. Um Basically, this was in 97, and a bunch of people used the internet, which is now getting more popular, to form the West Memphis 3 support group. Yeah, WM3.org went up February 16th, 1997, by um, Damien's wife, Lori. And it, who was not married to him at this time. No, she was just, she was an architect from New York who saw herself, like many of us did, in Damien and was, and couldn't sleep at night knowing that this kid's innocence was just shit all over. So she started this website and immediately it just blew up. It was, the internet became the connecting factor that brought all these people across the country and internationally who watched this documentary and were just as offended to come together. They came together and um, pooled funds. Then there were law students and lawyers volunteering their time to work on the case and work on appeals because at this point it was 97. They were convicted in 94. Nothing happened. There was nothing happening. These kids were just sitting in a cell just rotting away. And it was this website and these people who came together and make it happen. And it blew up in such a way that even celebrities 
who um, had watched the documentary had a platform to get on. So that's when you had um, Metallica. Yeah. Metallica stepped in. Um, Michael Graves from the Misfits stepped in. Um, what's her face from the fucking Dixie Chicks? Yeah. Yeah. Stepped in. Um, I uh, mean, Johnny Depp, one of his best friends currently, um, Henry Rollins made a CD and all the proceeds went to the West Memphis three fund. People came together to be like, Hey, yeah, this you, is fucked up. You can't do this. So, um, unfortunately all the support in the world didn't stop, uh, Damien specifically from getting, uh, abused in prison. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, basically, uh, that's a part of our prison system. The, uh, a part of being in prison is that you get punished by being raped, and that's okay because you're a guy. No one gives a shit what happens to your butt. <laughs> so Damien is getting sexually assaulted and beaten, and all these horrible things are happening to him in jail. So he was in there for almost 20 years. Ten were in max, where it was 23-hour lockdowns. And then uh, the eight he was spent um, on death row with other inmates and it was during that time because we'll just round up and say it was 20 so he basically spent half of his time in solitary wanting to die and then half of his time getting raped and assaulted and wanting to die yeah so his his experience in prison was just the absolute worst experience possible during this whole time they're appealing and uh judge david burnett denies all the appeals personally he's the judge that oversaw their case that barely graduated third grade and became a judge yeah and so um at this point the west memphis three support group who in a very very smart move instead of uh being emotional about the problem i commend them for being logical about the problem instead of being emotional and trying to destroy him or appeal to his sense of emotion they say okay there's no way we're changing this guy's mind fuck him but we can't destroy him, so what's the next best thing? Let's get him out of here by helping him succeed. He was, um, I think, running to be governor. Yeah, so they lo- they created a lobby lobbying group, and they helped lobby to get him elected and away from his position as judge. Yeah, because if he was in... If he was the governor or a representative, whatever it may be, I don't give a fuck about him, so who cares? Whatever he was doing at the time it would mean that he was no longer a judge and he could have no say in what happened in the case. So they were like, let's get all of our money and resources and getting this motherfucker out because the only reason why we cannot appeal is because of him. Yeah, so in a disgusting twist of fate, his career is actually moved forward by the people who oppose him for the thing he did wrong. But at the same time, by doing that, they're helping Damien. So you do a little bit of evil to do a lot of good. Yeah, and so, I think he was almost immediately like voted out of office. Yeah, so he's out. So at this point, there's a new judge. Um, new evidence has come to light. It's the late 2000s. We it's, found out um, about the turtles, the awful, the awful horrifying turtles. turtles. It's July 2007, and the West Memphis Three organization, and Lori in particular, in particular um, put together uh, a dream team. They put together the guy who convicted Bundy, um, the guy who trains the FBI on evidence and forensic pathology, they have a guy who's like a professional in fucking police coercion. Like they just have a dream team of not just professionals, but the people who created the field. Yeah. Like the OGs of whatever topic they fucking got them. They got the guy who I think it's quoted as like the guy who wrote the Bible of forensic pathology. He's the one who was like, 
no, this is, that's a belt mark, uh, and that's turtle bites. Yeah, yeah. Motherfucking, y'all, y'all see this is turtle bites, right? Yeah. And so, then, like, the guy who created testing DNA evidence in a correct form was like, hey, here's a fun fact. Guess whose DNA we did find? Yeah. Terry Hobbs. Yeah, so it's just this whole thing. So the writing's on the wall. The state sees, okay, we've made a terrible mistake. They know that we've made a mistake and they're on to us. What do we do? It's only a matter of time before these men are proved to be innocent and we are in a world of hurt. We're getting sued. Uh, People are losing their jobs. So the state comes forward with an Alfred plea, which I honestly, I've read about and I still don't totally understand Basically, what it is is they say, you admit guilt. You, What they're saying is they're t- telling the three to admit guilt to the crime. But in reality, what they're saying is you admit we did nothing wrong and then mm-hmm. we will let you go free. So um, Jason wanted to stay. Yeah. So it's legally admitting guilt while also legally maintaining your innocence. Which never happens. And Jason, at this point, they're in their 30s. It's 2010 when this happens. So 20, um, 2007, the forensic evidence comes into play and they have this basically um, like session where they go over it. October two, 29th, 2007, um, the defense files an amendment for the habeas corpus. So that's saying, hey, Supreme Court, we have new evidence. It's not until 2010 that the Arkansas Supreme Court sees the evidence, hears the statements and allows them to have um, a new case with the new DNA evidence. And then this is when the prosecution goes to the court and the the state talks to them and is like, hey, there's a good chance that this case will end in acquittal. And if you acquit, that doesn't mean guilty. It doesn't mean innocent. But it for sure fucking means that these three men can come back and sue the state of Arkansas for the 18 years and 78 days that they have been incarcerated. And And the incompetence in handling um, their jail time and the incompetence in allowing Damien's uh, sexual aggressors to go Mm. free without punishment and all this other, all of it. Just all, they could sue and rightfully so and rightfully deserving sue the state of Arkansas for every fucking penny that it's worth. And they knew that it was going to end in an acquittal. So they pulled the only trick out of the book that they had, which is this Alfred plea, which never fucking happens because it's like an anomaly that would never be allowed, but they do it so that the state of Arkansas can protect itself from a being sued and B ever having to admit that they fucked up. Exactly. And that's the big thing about it. So um, they go free uh, August 19th, 2011. Yes. So finally, the nightmare is over. They all go free. Um, no, To this day, we have no idea who committed the crime. Nope. I mean, I mean we have, we ideas, have an idea. But no one knows Terry who, Hobbs. who exactly committed the crime. Terry Hobbs, I'm calling you out. <laughs> Terry Hobbs did it. Um, but it's... Uh, the scene where they're admitting the Alfred place so they're saying they're guilty, but still maintaining their innocence. Um, Jason. So Jason was having a hard time getting on board with this because during 
the 18 years that he was incarcerated, he never stopped educating himself. And um, like we brought up in the last episode, he's currently um, in university to become a defense lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never stopped learning and he became a very bright intellectual. And he was like, he was talking to his girlfriend who he met through the West Memphis three organization, just like how Damien met his wife of 14 years at that time of their release, which is insane. Um, he met his girlfriend through that and he was she was like please do this do this deal please like you're never going to get out if you don't take it and they want all three of you it can't be the two and then you not and he's like you don't understand i will fucking waste my last breath on earth fighting for my innocence and you you can't blame him in a way yeah, yeah. you can't fucking blame him he'd already come so far and it, he just he wanted them to admit what they did was wrong yeah and it's you know you feel for him and then he goes dark for like the 48 hours leading up to the day where they're supposed to take the plea he hasn't said if he is or he isn't and his girlfriend and they even had fucking um they even had someone from i think metallica try to call him yeah to just be like we need to hear from you like you don't understand and he was basically like meditating during that time trying to figure out what he was going to do and um during the live footage of them saying the plea he's like i would like to you know by the whatever like assistance of my team like the best decision is for me to take the alfred plea while still maintaining my innocence that i did not commit the crime of murdering and you know he names the kids and does this big thing and he's like um the only reason why i'm doing this is because they were going to kill damien and it and it's like he says that with his voice shaking and tears in his eyes like i will continue to be a crusader but they're going to kill Damien and I can't let that happen. So here's my Alfred plea. And then Damien starts choking up and like grabs his hand across. And he's like, I would like the record to show that like, I acknowledge the sacrifice that Jason is making to make sure that I survive. And it's just this moment of like, fuck, like they don't see each other, you know, 18 years have gone by. They're basically you know in prison because of each other and yet they still have um that bond and it's it was it's such a powerful moment that they have and it just it fucking shook me to the core and then when jason's being interviewed he was like you know i it's no longer about me alone fighting this journey and this battle it's about Damien it's about my girlfriend it's about the other people who are wrongfully convicted like I need to be out so I can live for them and you're just like hell yeah man and that's what he's doing and it's so fucking cool it's a beautiful note to end on I think it's a cautionary tale for all of us yeah to to sort of uh, this huge weaving tale of it starts so small I mean like children's rumors yeah all the way up until 18 years later, like grown men are making massive moral sacrifices for each other just to survive. Yeah. It's incredible. um, The turn of events and everything. And Damien is equally as active while he was still in um, prison. He was helping write music with Michael Graves and he was putting out art and uh, he was super into chaos magic. And he's like, Damien yeah. Eccles, I posted in the podcast group, he's doing uh, an audiobook about chaos magic and 
not only is he cool in that way to us, but he's out there every day um, fighting for the rights of people who have been wrongfully convicted and fighting to get DNA evidence brought brought back into cases that have technically been closed. He's fighting for um, people who have always continuously been um, prosecuted because of prejudice and bias. And it's amazing. Most recently, Two, three weeks ago, when we put out the first episode, he was back in Arkansas for the first time since being released, which he never, ever wanted to do. He has severe PTSD, as he should, about it all. But he shows up there because the state of Arkansas, their lethal injection serum is about to expire. And so they want to kill the eight guys that Damien became friends with on death row. They want to kill them like as Damien calls it in a conveyor belt of death before the serum expires. And yeah. I mean, that's just gross injustice. If it, if it expires, does it just kill him harder? Or does <laughs> I don't it not know. kill him at all? I don't that's know. what I'm confused. Well, about I how mean, that I guess we're going to find out actually. I don't know if we were Damien was there, um, like a emotional mess sweating having just the most terrible time but he was there yeah, advocating like for them should. <laughs> yeah just having the worst time um he's there advocating and it's it's fucking amazing because he started off one of the first thing he said is like when i get re- if i ever get released i'm gonna be a nobody i'm gonna fade into the back and i'm yeah. gonna disappear and here he is yeah making news appearances mm-hmm. and basically dedicating his life to um, helping others that are uh, basically trying to to stomp down injustice. Yep. And um, stop people from uh, being basic, basically uh, trying to get rid of punishment and revenge from the system and make it more about justice. Yeah. Revenge and punishment is about making yourself feel better. Justice is about doing what's right. Exactly. Which is, again, goes back to the whole... Um, accusations do not mean guilt it's hard and that it makes you feel good to agree with someone mm-hmm. but how you feel isn't justice that's punishment and that's uh revenge so um well would you like to add anything before we bail on the uh, bail out of here um i'm so excited to have finished the story from beginning to end yeah uh, i'm so excited that we have a series out um but i'm mostly excited that we got to talk about uh the West Memphis Three and what they did, what happened, and what they continue to do. I think it's so fucking important, and it's a timeless story that yeah. can be related to any sort of injustice going on, not in our, not only in our country but in our world. And to remind people to fucking stay woke, stay educated, and uh, hail Satan! Hail Satan, everybody! <laughs> <laughs>